All right. So Aaron, you are the first guest on what may or may not be a podcast that I do for a while. <laughs> if I actually try to get other guests to see what happens well, here. If I, if I have my way, it will happen. I think I've been pushing you. You keep telling me, oh, I think I may start a podcast. And I keep saying you need to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. And so now here I am. So. This is fun. Like the two other times I've tried to start a podcast, it's been fun for those like three episodes before I didn't do it anymore. Okay. So you've, you've been down this road before? Uh, sort of. I did one with a friend here in San Antonio and that went for a decently long while, and then we just stopped. And then me and David did one when we first started Chipper, and then we got I busy with other stuff. Yeah, what um, was it building? Building Chipper. Yeah, yeah. I listened. So this to is that kind one. of a this is kind of a continuation of that because we'll just like talk about businessy stuff. I okay. hope. I really just want to keep talking to people and um, inviting other people who have done business stuff and just ask them like how to live my life and what to do. So what's the uh, what's the what's the renewed energy? What finally pushed you over the edge to like besides me telling you you had to push you <laughs> over the edge to actually do it? That's all your fault. That's no, kidding. I, I'm fine with that. Uh, I um, bought out David's half of the company as of okay. January first this year, 2022. So I'm renewed energy is that I dumped a bunch of money into that company and hopefully want to get it back. Which okay, will happen so over big, time. That's a big but reveal. I, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Uh, it's not like a secret. It's just, you know, it happened. David just said, like, you know, we, we both haven't worked out in a while. He, he was interested in getting out. So um, I happened to be able to do it. Like, I just launched Cloudcast, which is like, hey, another business, because why not have multiple businesses? Sure. But I just launched that. Got a bunch of sales from courses and stuff. So I luckily had most of the uh, money required to buy out his half. So. So now you are the sole owner and operator of Chipper CI. Yeah. Well, that feels pretty good. Yeah. And um, yeah, so now it's just a matter of, you know, seeing if I can grow it. Just kind of neat. Like it it grew when we first launched it, which was, I think, Larica in 2019, maybe in New York. Uh, Yeah. Something like that. And then it grew to a few thousand MRR and then hits a plateau and then it grew a little more. And then um, we kind of faded out and working on it probably a year, year and a half after it launched so it's at this plateau and actually hasn't shrunk in mrr it's been kind of stable or even growing a little bit so i figure doing some stuff is better than none so like you know maybe i don't have to do so much work to uh grow it a bit um so we'll see i'm like two months into that process of like actually doing some work most most days of the week on this thing so we'll see so what's the um so you bought out his half, so you immediately got the other half of the MRR, so that's good. What's yep. what's the, I guess, what's the plan or what have you been doing to try to grow it now that you're actually focusing on it? Do you feel like there's a lot of low-hanging fruit? Uh, yes and no. Yes. Uh, the no part of that is because server stuff is kind of like difficult to get right, and that's the more complicated yeah. stuff. So I have, a lot of, I have a lot of planned features that involve like the build system and improving that and, and adding features to it. Um, the lower hanging fruit is like, there's a lot of like smaller features to do, but that's like, they're not growth features, but they are nicer things like more notification channels, adding like uh, teams and maybe discord and that kind of thing for notifications mm-hmm. instead of just Slack. We don't have any email <laughs> notifications at all for our <laughs> builds, which is like, you know, some people ask for that. Um, 
But really, what I've determined or what I've decided um, is that really it's the top of funnel problem. Like not a lot of people know about it. So the more people know about it, the more signups there are and those eventually convert um, to paying people if um, they run into, you know, they build limits or whatever, if, if they have to get out of the free tier in order to get unlimited builds or some other features. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of it's top of funnel. So the first features I've been focusing on are getting, are to aid in getting people to know that Chipper exists. So for example, um, adding a YAML file to define your build pipeline. So like the scripts that run whenever people push up code to GitHub or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, adding that is partially because uh, it enables some some nicer features I want to do later to have like this YAML file in your repository that you can edit. Um, but also because then you have a file that people can see, especially in open source projects. Mm -hmm. um, now, the most the majority of people who pay for uh, Chipper CI are not doing open source projects, but they're kind of internal company stuff. So the other half of that is adding features that help with uh, open source projects. So like a uh, an area where you can um, publicly show your results of your builds, like your test mm -hmm. passing and all that stuff. Uh, so that's out. That's out already. So the YAML stuff and the public builds, but there's more to it, like being able to apply for an open source project and maybe I'll expand your build limits to something really high or unlimited builds or something like that. And there's some build system features related to that, like actually being able to test multiple versions of PHP, maybe concurrently mm. or maybe not, or just, you know, maybe in general, kind of similar to how GitHub Actions or something has like a matrix right. that lets you say, you know, version 7.4, version 8.1, and version 8.0 of PHP, like run your tests yeah. against all of these. And that's not important for companies running their app, but obviously when you switch to open source, it becomes super important because your library right. needs to work in all these different versions with these different versions of Laravel. Yeah. So we use, as you know, we use Chipper at work and have for a couple of years and it's just, it's great. We honestly, we hardly ever look at it. We use it through GitHub and it reports back if everything worked right. and if it didn't, we go inspect it. And yeah, we've been, we've been a happy user for a long time. So do you, where, how do you find like, What's your what's your customer makeup like? Is it mostly companies like us, like just small mm -hmm. Laravel shops that nobody's yeah. ever heard of? Uh, I think so for um, for paying companies, yeah. Um, versus you know people who just sign up for the free tier, like you know, as you might suspect, like the free tier is a lot of G at gmail.com addresses, and then the people who eventually pay are usually at a you know some business, not a hundred percent, but um, that's the majority of it. Um, a lot of them are companies I haven't necessarily heard of some I have through like you know the Laravel community mm -hmm. um and yeah that's the makeup I've noticed you've been tweeting a lot more about it which makes me happy hey <laughs> and I uh, so uh, the other thing I did is I added a um onboarding question like how did you hear about us and that's been kind of neat I don't the questions are all over the place but they definitely reflect the fact that I've been on Twitter more because you know a really? lot of responses are Twitter and then there's some other neat ones, like I saw you in the Laravel Forge documentation or the Laravel Vapor documentation, because um, Taylor and them are very nice and supportive. So like, they you are. know, we get little mentions of uh, of Chipper and, and where, it, where it makes sense to, like in the documentation and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, being I'm sure being in those docs is wildly helpful. And I don't know, you may not want to name it if there is. Is there another Laravel like focused CI tool? Not that I know of. 
Do you know of okay, one? I, no, I didn't. <laughs> no. And that's that's what I was thinking. Like, I do love in our ecosystem how many Laravel specific tools there are, and I feel like being the Laravel specific CI is probably probably gives you outsized benefits because then you do get those mentions in the docs and stuff like right. that. Yeah. So it's still, I mean, it's still like, I don't, it's still relatively unknown, I think, in terms of how large the Laravel and PHP community is. So I'm definitely, definitely need to put a lot of work towards like kind of making that known. And we'll see what tactics I can come up with that other than those features I mentioned. Like right. um, Eric lets me write for Laravel news so I can like mm -hmm. add mentions to it to that for that. And, um, you know, there's all sorts of those small things I can kind of build on top of to, to see how I can, um, get the, get the idea out there or get, make Chipper CI known. Are you an SEO wizard at all? Is that something that you uh, focused on? I, no, not specifically. I mean, I have, it's in my mind. Like I used to work at a marketing agency before this current job and SEO was a big part of that. So I definitely have some background of it but it's not currently a focus of when i like make articles for chipper ci but i have had okay, ideas so are, of writing, writing articles yeah and then there's um i some ideas for articles i have are like i don't know i don't know if this is worth it yet but you know you see the companies doing like my company versus this company so like chipper yep, ci versus time. github actions that kind of thing mm -hmm. so the, the idea of those is getting the github or i'm sorry getting the um google search results for that so being you know number one or two mm -hmm. or three for you know my product versus some other product you can make a comparison mm -hmm. page um just so people land on your site you know i think that's i think that's totally i mean if you were to write you'd have to look at like the volume but surely lots of people are searching laravel github actions right yeah and so if you could write an article that kind of explains like like this is, I think, one of those things that's um, underutilized is writing an article about the hard way to do it and like mm -hmm. honestly giving them, you know, giving them the way to do it and then saying, or you could just do one click with Chipper CI. Right. <laughs> and so they still get the information. So you're not punished by Google for like, you know, uh, click baiting. And... You, you leave like a good taste in the per in the visitor's mouth of like, oh, they gave me what I was looking for. But in fact, this, you know, seems like Chipper CI is a lot easier. I'm just going to say. Yeah, that. I agree. And I, I really don't mind doing that. I love, like, I've always like, I've, you know, I have service for hackers.com. It's just article after article about how to do stuff in servers. And I just, I just mm -hmm. like always have liked the rating process of that kind of thing and also making videos. And I don't mind like being like, hey, here's how to use a competitor. Like, it doesn't bother me or feel like, something that would hurt me necessarily but exactly like you said you could angle it the, the content to be like look it's kind of actually hard on github actions yeah. and like it's a lot easier over here um which is actually a lot of the reasons why we made chipper like oh, everything was kind of hard to work with um i forget what products mean me and david both used a specific one. Oh, code ship code ship was mm -hmm. like kind of what chippers chippers kind of like an easier code ship to begin with because code ship didn't have a yaml file or anything it's just like here write some bash scripts in our ui which is what chipper started as also um but it was still hard to set up um for a lot of like very kind of specific things like dust tests and just you know stuff specific to php and laravel that mm -hmm. chipper kind of made really easily um, but then GitHub Actions, I, I spent a lot of time avoiding learning how to use them because it just seems so complicated. I didn't really get the mm -hmm. concept of like what an action was for a long time. Um, 
and now I do know what it means. And like, I actually, I actually kind of like it a bunch. Like, it's nice. So I, I use that for my non PHP stuff all the time. Um, have you found that that's impacted Chipper at all? I mean, people haven't told me if it is, but I'm sure people, because their their free tier in GitHub is you know decent. It's pretty generous, yeah. Yeah, and I guess if you said your MRR hasn't contracted a whole lot, then you know you're not having a huge churn problem. And that's right. the deal. Like that's the deal for us is I I have Chipper set up. I'm not gonna leave. Like I do yeah. think I do think Chipper is easier to get the exact uh, Laravel setup running. But even like even if GitHub Actions were easier now, which it's not, I'm not gonna leave. <laughs> right. It's I've, so got, done. I've got it set up. Yeah. Right. It's kind of sticky like that. So churn is low. Um and you know, people have people have, you know, as people churned out, because it still happens, people have mm-hmm. come. And it always comes in waves, which is really annoying because like you'll get three cancellations in like two days. It feels so bad. Yep. <laughs> and then You're you get terror. some people pay, like oh people pay and like come aboard over time, not in chunks but they leave in chunks for some reason. So it's just like super frustrating or super like anxiety producing. Yep. That's fun. Yep. Well, that's exciting. You're the, you're the sole owner now. Mm-hmm. And so you feel um, like uh, you have new energy for the whole deal. Yeah. Which has been nice. Cause I lost that for a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cause we were both, me and David were both really busy on stuff. We both have, well, I, I have like a full on W2 job. David mm-hmm. maintains Nova, which turns out to be, you know, a, a lot of work job. also. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then you get this like kind of gruesome calculus of like, well, I own 50% of this thing. Um, you know, David might be too busy this month to do anything. Should I work on it? Right. You know, and really push, push this boulder up the hill. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so it's it's you know that calculus is like well i only own 50 percent of this thing i don't know if that's worth it and you know how hard it is just from like yeah listening to other business podcasts like it's not there's no like easy layup really um but oh, now i have kind to of other listening that, to other so. podcasts everything's a layup <laughs> 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 listening to other podcasts it's like well you know i tried this thing and now we're at 30k i don't know how like, people oh, word things so a... nonchalantly <laughs> like they're so nonchalant <laughs> about their successes and i was just like it is it really makes you know the survivor by by um survival i can't why can't i not say survivor a word? bias bias i cannot say the word bias okay <laughs> the survival bias is like so real it really hit me this past year about how strong how much stronger that bias is than um than you know you might think without giving it any real like real consideration just like everyone you hear in any podcast has had some kind of success because like people whose businesses aren't working are probably aren't going on podcasts to talk about Correct. it really yep um so yeah. survival bias is like extremely real, but then I'm also always, I don't know, weirded out is the term that comes to mind, but that's not really that, but I'm always suspicious. I don't know if suspicious is right, but like people just like talk about the successes kind of nonchalantly like, oh yeah, we just, you know, decided to do this and then this and this and this, this happened and we started growing. And like, maybe that's just how you talk on a podcast because you don't have time to like get super in depth right. on like this, the process and everything. So that's the shorthand for it, but there's so much, there must be so much going on behind just like the sentence they said, where we tried this and that actually worked. Yeah. And I feel like when people come on, so there's a difference between listening to two bootstrappers talk over like two years on their podcast and then hearing that same person go on someone else's podcast and they have to compress, you know, two, five, 10 years into 
a 30 or 45 minute show. And so right. they're like, yeah, you know, we hit a couple of rough spots, but then we figured out referral marketing and we started to grow. And so like when I hear somebody that I've listened to for a couple of years say that, I'm like, okay, I know, I know right. how much you're compressing into that one <laughs> sentence and I know why you're doing it. But then when I hear other people say that, that I haven't followed, I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds super easy. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. Just come up with the right tactic. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you got, you have chipper, you have servers for hackers, mm-hmm. you have cloud casts. What else <laughs> are you hiding over there? A job. <laughs> yeah. A job <laughs> and a kids. family, right? <laughs> <laughs> Servers for hackers, I don't do anything on it. So we can just like kind of forget about it. Um, it just exists and the SEO is great. So, uh, and I have um, a newsletter there with, I don't know, like 20,000 people on it or so, but like kind of ever lowering open rates <laughs> that email list. But Does I still use that and talk to them. Yeah, well, yeah, especially around um, Black Friday, which is like kind of when all the sales for courses and stuff really happen for anyone who's kind of in that world. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't have, I used to have more optimized like pipelines and that kind of stuff for courses. I don't really have that as much right now. Um, I just didn't see like super good results from it, but also it's a lot of work to set it up and maintain. Yeah. Uh, and the content, you know, isn't super evergreen necessarily. It gets kind of crusty. So, yeah. uh, and I never, like a year or two later, I never end up liking the the email sequences I've written, you know, two years ago. So I just like kind of nixed it all. Some stuff might still be up there. So anyway, but there's still, you know, there's courses.servicerackers.com that has some courses, and those are still good and relevant. Uh, I don't push them really until Black Friday. Cloudcasts, I am actively adding videos to uh, for AWS courses. Um, and I actually like that a lot, and I've always liked that process. So that's that was Cloudcast I started when uh, before I thought I would ever own, you know, all of Tripper CI. So mm, that got gotcha. created and started before that. Um, so now I have kind of two things competing for my side project at time uh, outside of work, which is fun. But I actually don't. And yeah, it's super finite. <laughs> I haven't. Yeah, God. I haven't um, I haven't had a lot of issues switching back and forth between them. Like, it certainly feels bad to be like, oh, I really wish I could be working on this instead of that. But um, I like the process of both things I'm doing right now. Like, the AWS stuff is fulfilling of the the part of me that always likes to kind of like learn something and then write about it or make videos about it like that's always been a thing i like to do which is why service hackers exists to begin with um so i still like that process so right now i'm working on like a course about lambda i have two modules i don't know how many that will be but uh cloudcast is set up kind of nicely where i like where i can just kind of add uh, a module or a few videos to it when i want because there's um most most people who've paid for it have subscribed for a year so they just get whatever I've created immediately because they have access to everything. Mm-hmm. Some people have purchased just a single course, in which case, you know, I'm not adding to the the first course I made right now. I'm just uh, adding new content, new modules and courses and whatever. So that's going on. Um, so every few weeks I'll switch over to Cloudcast and then I'll switch back to Chipper and that kind of thing. And how are you finding Cloudcast's uh, trajectory? Uh, Black Friday was good. And then I had no sales forever. And then sales trickle in nowadays when I add stuff. And then this Black Friday will probably be good again. But, um, you know, but then it'll it'll go back down to, to not much. So this is like another top of funnel problem because I have right. I have to like really get the word out about it and that kind of thing. But I'm not pushing that as hard as Chipper because I see a lot more potential in a SaaS than um, 
even if there's even if there's subscriptions on cloudcast i see a lot more potential in like a, a true SaaS like chipper ci in the long term um, yeah because cloudcast chipper, right. is kind of it's like kind of a content treadmill right if yep if you it were is. to stop eventually people would stop signing up i guess servers for hackers there you go like you stop exactly people still pay for it but not as much as they used to yeah and that was never subscription those were always one-off purchases for courses mm. and cloud class is a subscription although you know we'll see i'll have massive churn a year from those, you know, the next friday i'm sure because people won't yeah. want to rebuy new in the next year but other people will so you know that'll balance out um i the way i see it right now is that cloudcast i'm still gonna do because i like that a lot Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also kind of nice for that Black Friday bump to get money, which pays for, you know, house expenses and just stuff, right. life in general, while I'm trying to grow Chipper CI also to be at the longer term thing. And if Chipper, like, you know, if it's another year or something, just like it's not going anywhere, then I can kind of, you know, switch what I'm focusing on if I really want to also. Because okay, I think so- I think courses on AWS is kind of a topic that's not going anywhere. So, the, you know, no. there's potential in both of these businesses. So. So what's what's the plan here? What what's your life what's your life plan? You've got a good job, right? <laughs> you you presumably like your job because you've been there for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. So you've got a good job. You've got two kids, wife, house somewhere in Texas, and you've got all these side projects. So like basically we're the same <laughs> person. <laughs> um, so what's what's the plan? Like yeah, what are we, what are we doing here? I don't know, man. It's depressing. <laughs> I turned is 37 <laughs> last November and like everyone who's like way more successful than me is way younger than me. So like this is oh, like yeah, a constant metal burden. That, yeah. No, no, no. I like I don't that doesn't weigh me down all the time, but there's certainly times I'm just like oh, okay. Yeah. Um but our life plan is just to see what I can do with these side businesses and hopefully, you know, take over either do a very good job of supplementing my uh, main job or, mm-hmm. you know, replace it and grow more. So you do have desires to maybe one day be completely independent. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that outcome. Yeah. I feel that. It's not easy, huh? <laughs> no. I mean, there's a lot of, <laughs> I mean, like healthcare, of course, you know, it's a whole rant to be had about that. So that's like yeah. a whole like concern also. Then, um, but then also, you know, the worry of being reliant. Like I, I, we've talked about this before. Like, I don't know if I, I'm not a person who's built to do freelance. Like I'm sure I could mm-hmm. if I needed to, but my personality would not do a great job of that. I don't think that would be very stressful for me. Yeah. So then that cuts out, um, potentially huge chunks of money like with freelance you could do you know a six-week engagement and make a huge chunk of money and then use that as sort of the replacement for the w2 but since freelance is out you're kind of your scope is narrowed to courses and SaaS. um man when you word it like that geez but yes (laughs) am i wrong (laughs) Yeah, but I mean the the I the freelance stuff is like I know that would take up a lot of work. I would have to oh, I would have sure. to ramp up freelance and then also quit, you know, or something like that. So I'd have time to do the freelance. So and then, you know, there's this yes. lag between getting the job done and getting money. You don't know how the engagement is gonna go. There's like so much fear around that decision. Listen, um, I'm not trying to convince you and to I've do tried to freelance. Do, right. I don't like it. 
I like the people I work to with too it. much. <laughs> I mean, it's off, there's definitely a comfort zone thing. Like I stay at jobs for for too long in some respects. Um, but there's reasons for me to be God eight years at Userscape right now. There's like uh, good reasons around the the employment setup where like there's there's freedom to there's freedom there's relative freedom of time versus the other jobs and there's also um ian doesn't try to own any ip or anything like there's no clause about yeah. them owning anything of our side projects and that stuff's always been what he has liked about us purportedly like you know about mm-hmm. how all the employees are kind of entrepreneurial and well he's the you know, same way he's out going. there he's out there with what was it, thermostat and then now nfts yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm he'll never listen to this. So I feel comfortable telling you, but um, he got so hard into NFTs that I had to unfollow him on Twitter for a while <laughs> because I love him to death and I think he's wonderful. But it was so NFT heavy that I was like, bro, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and so and maybe at some point it'll pass and I can go pick him back up. But right. Yeah, it seems like the only person that's ever left Userscape is Taylor. <laughs> I mean, it right. seems like everyone ha- that works there has worked there forever. Yeah, Eric is at 10 years, I think. Matt, who yeah. started before after me, is at six years. Um, and Ian owns it. So, you know, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it seems like Eric just plays golf all day. So I know. Who could, who could pass up a job that? like that? I don't know. We find out he's been working from, like, the golf uh bar for like the second half of the day and then it just goes immediately to do you know the back night or something right after Amazing. <laughs> so his kids are a little older he can get away with it yeah so how old are yours two and four okay yeah wow yeah it's uh fun you know it's like like terrible twos is fine that's easy three and four is harder really um, yeah they have more arguing skills and employ them mm. constantly <laughs> or just like completely grandstanding. It's kind of funny. I mean, it'd be funny if like it didn't happen in the middle of my work day and I like I had to like stop and, and try to get a kid to pee because for some reason that's so randomly hard to get a key, a kid who doesn't want to pee, but hasn't peed for four <laughs> hours to go to the bathroom. And it's just like grandstands like, no. So <laughs> it's that kind of oh thing. Oh my gosh. Um, mine are nine months, so I'm still I'm still on easy street. It sounds like. right. Well, yeah. And, I mean, it always depends. Everything's a different phase, so like, what's easy and what's hard changes. Um, so yeah. my friends who have my friends who have teenagers, they're like, it's not really, um, physically tiring anymore, but it's very emotionally tiring. Is how they yeah, describe. I'm sure they're, they're three teenagers. <laughs> Jeez. And your wife, she has a job, right? She's no, not... not since our first was born. So she hasn't oh, worked okay. for four or five years, something like that. Okay, now. so that's helpful. Yeah, she's at home, and the kids go to a day school a few days a week. You know, it depends oh, on what nice. kids. So and that's half a day. Uh, so like right now, I'm recording because they're both out of the house. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, my wife also works in the house. Um, she works way harder than I do, but she doesn't have you know a full time job. Right. Um, and I don't. I honestly. Like, I don't know how we would do it otherwise. If she had a full-time job and had to, especially if she had to be in an office somewhere, I I, I have no idea. And I understand that, <laughs> you know, we're extremely privileged to be able to have her stay at home full-time. But, right. man, I don't know how people do it. It's crazy. I mean, it's hard. 
everything about you know no one tells you this like hey i have some kids your grandparents say or your parents say that you have it and you realize that they asked you or told you that out of revenge it's like definitely some <laughs> kind of revenge for people are pushing kids like you <laughs> i was like oh that's funny I'm definitely yeah. pushing kids onto my kids. Like, oh, what oh, am I? What sure. am I gonna have grandkids? What's yeah. happening? No, that's it's. Uh, it has been extremely fun, but boy, it sure is. It's hard work. Yeah, like there are definitely there are definitely two sides to it, and to totally play up the positive side, I think is disingenuous, and to totally play up the negative side is disingenuous. I think there needs to be a little bit more balance that like, right. yeah, it's amazing, but also heads up. It's super hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. and yeah. I was just about to send out some complaints, but I'll, I'll hold off on that. Every, pe- people who are parents know it's just, it's just they hard. know. <laughs> and if you don't, if you don't have kids yet, they're great. It's also very hard. So mm-hmm. enjoy. All right. It's your turn to tell me about Hammerstone. What is going on? Um, oh, specifically you, I like how you're using Twitter and then also very much in the Laravel space and like adding value to the Laravel world. But then you also have this product, uh, and I don't hear much as much about it. I kind of only know about it because of your podcast. Cause like, yeah. I don't think you tweet about it too much or anything, right? No, no, I really don't. So Hammerstone is my side business. I also have a full-time job. Um, so Hammerstone is my side business and it's me and two other partners, Sean and Colleen, and we build components for Laravel and Rails applications. And the one that we're starting with is a query builder. It's like a visual query builder for your users. So like if your users need to say, you know, I want to see customers that are in Texas, name includes Aaron and um, is tall, right? They could do that, hit go, and we would handle we handle the front end, the back end, the validation, the storing of the filter, the actual query, everything. Cool. So that's what we do. So it works out really... So we started this a couple years back, and the goal was, all right, we're going to build the Laravel and Vue version because I'm a Laravel guy. Sean is a front end guy. Um, and so we decided... I'm going to build it in Laravel. He's going to build the view version. And our initial marketing plan was like, I'm going to try to do developer relations, basically. Right? So I'm going to try to um, get more into the Laravel um, mind space and have more people know about me. So that was a couple years ago. Um and since then, it's it's definitely worked. I mean, that part of it has worked, right? So I decided, I think almost exactly one year ago, I decided to start like taking Twitter seriously. Um, and what that meant for me was like, just share more of what I'm working on and don't be afraid of looking stupid. And that's been basically the whole thing is I share what I'm working on and I'm not afraid of people saying, well, actually, it's like, right. yeah, I just, you know, it's going to happen. So that has along, along the way, and the reason, I think part of the reason you don't hear too much about the product is one, I don't want to just be tweeting about 
this paid product because that at some point people are like, dude, you're just out here shilling, right? Which is legit, and I don't I don't want to do that. The other thing is it's taken us it's taken us a long, long time to bring something usable to the market because along like along the way, Sean and I were approached by a big company to say, Hey, can you come build this thing that you're building? Can you come build it in rails for us? We'll pay you and you get to keep the IP of the rails stuff. And we were like, Oh, I, hmm. yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess we will do that. And so we took this massive detour where Sean was now front end guy at client. And we brought Colleen on to port what I had written in Laravel to port it to rails. And then she later became a full partner and so part of the reason I don't tweet about um, Refine all the time is because it's taken a long time to get to the point where we have something to sell because we've been focused on this client that's paying us all this money to do it for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the frustrating things of uh, side projecting is you just like, it has to fit in around your life. Like you, you just can't, you just can't spend all your time on it. And so all of Sean's free time was going to the client to build out this hot wire front end because they're paying us to do it. And therefore I'm now in this spot where I'm like trying to build hype for Laravel, but we don't quite have the product ready. And so that's where, that's where stuff like um, sidecar and torchlight came in was how do I keep, how do I keep the momentum going when I can't share this objectively interesting stuff I'm working on, but I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not working on it as much right now. So that's when I started like, okay, what else can I do? What else can I gin up? And I didn't want, I didn't want to just create like, you know, a dozen or two dozen open source packages that like solve, you know, kind of a problem, but don't really You're solve not going a problem. The freak, the freak way. Well, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to create 100 open source packages. <laughs> I don't know how they have the energy to do that. Um, oh, but you know, being being one person, I thought, okay, what what open source stuff can I do that's like interesting enough that people will latch on, um, and is just one package so it's maintainable by, by me. And that's where Sidecar came in, which is the thing that lets you run lambdas from your Laravel app. And that has worked, I mean, frankly, that's worked better than I expected <laughs> because like it, it was cool. Um, and then inertia started talking about server-side rendering mm-hmm. and that's where I've got like the first um, like concrete use case because people on Vapor couldn't do SSR because they couldn't have a node process running. Right. And so I was able to kind of weasel my way into that Um conversation about inertia SSR when that was good. And then I did the Laravel worldwide talk and then I did Laracon just last week. And now I feel like, okay, there's, there's some momentum here. Um, and so I kind of like did what I set out to do, which was make interesting stuff and bring people along into the story, which was my goal all along. So yeah. that's kind of the journey up to now. Cool. And I can say from the outside, I think I totally agree. Like that's, that's all been really great. I really like, it. No, <laughs> like your, your Laragon talk was super good. Um, no, thanks. That was and fun. all, and the projects that you're working on have been really good too. Like Torchlight, I use at Cloudcast and it's just like really 
better than other syntax highlighters. <laughs> and then sidecar, of course, is cool too. You know, it's just like just throw Lambda into your project wherever you want. There's so many like yeah. weird possibilities he can do with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think part of like I so I think part of what has made some of this work is so there's the whole like um engineering as marketing like concept catchphrase maybe where instead of instead of I don't know um like writing a blog post about how to get Lambda into your Laravel app, right? Instead of doing that, you spend the time writing the package and that has um, that has more durability, right? So instead of doing what may be traditional marketing, you do engineering as marketing. And that can be writing an open source package. It can be writing a little, a little tool that, you know, is just like a, a website that does one thing. I saw yesterday mergemypdfs.com and like it's a free, it's a free tool and some company built it just as top of funnel marketing. Like, hey, we built this thing for you, the community. Also, it's powered by us. Come check us out. So I think that's part of like what has made my strategy work is I want to attract Laravel people into the story. And so I'm doing all these Laravel things and it, mm -hmm. like that's working. I think another part is um, I'm like... I'm, I'm excited. I'm objectively like excited about what I'm doing. And I think people kind of glom on to that. And I, there's a, there's this weird dichotomy between like, it's a false dichotomy, but people feel like, I think you have to either be excited or you can be cool. Right. And it's not cool to be excited. Right. And if, if you're excited, you're not cool. You're, you're cringe or you're lame. Right. But I think, I think the Laracon talk is a good example. I was really excited about what I was talking about. And I think that came through to other people and other people got excited about it. And so now we're all kind of like sharing in this excitement and moving in this same direction. And so people are like, Hey, I want to follow along. I'm excited about what you're doing. Cause you're excited about what you're doing. And I just think that's so underrated. Everybody's trying to play it cool. Right. Not just in, not just on Twitter, but in life, everybody's trying to play it cool. Right. Nobody wants to be seen as like, Hey, this thing's really excited and I'm amped about it. Nobody wants to be seen <laughs> that way. They want to be the cool guy. And I just, right. I don't know. I think there's, I think it's underrated being excited in public is underrated. I think being mm -hmm. cool is like, okay, like you're cool. That's great. But I don't know. I just, I, I just think people are, people are too afraid to be excited. They want to be cool. Right. I like that. I think there's the, uh, I think there's a good insight right there because you definitely have the excitement part down and it's definitely infectious. Um, and also like just like, the things you've worked chosen to create Torchlight and Sidecar are also really cool too so like there's there's a combination of things going on here you're gonna have your yeah. own survival bias i think because, absolutely for sure because yeah uh, i think i like there's a lot of stuff like the bricks are being stacked in your favor i think because mm -hmm. you're choosing good projects to work on your attitude towards them is right your uh idea to like i know you did a lot of, you told me that you did a lot of practice for that talk um but the but the excitement was also didn't seem manufactured Although by then I'm sure you did the talk so often that like <laughs> it could have been, you know. Yeah, like, so I mean I, I 
I literally practiced every single little throwaway joke in transition and everything. Right. But you know, <laughs> when the time when the time comes, the energy hits a little different. So it was right, still sure. it was still genuine. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. I think you're you're stacking the bricks to me from the outside. It looks like you're stacking the bricks in the right way to to get that all aligned. Well, thanks. I I appreciate that, and I'm very careful. Like I'm very careful to um, still like still be human. Like I want to focus. I want to focus kind of my output on specifically on Twitter. I want to focus it on Laravel and things Laravel developers would find interesting, right? But that doesn't mean I'm hot tips all the time, guy, right? I don't want to be every day at 11 a.m. and at 6 p.m. I post a hot tip that I pulled from the documentation, Laravel's documentation, right? So I'm, I'm trying to walk this, this line between doing a lot of stuff in public and like, you know, sharing what I'm working on and providing value, but also being a human, but then on the human side, not um, complaining about customer service or um, in my case, and this is not universal, in my case, I don't tweet about sports, which is easy because I don't watch sports. But um, so I'm trying to like, how do I still be human and get my personality across, but still focus kind of on the audience and, you know, one standard deviation away from the audience that I want to that I want to hit. Right. And somebody told me recently, like, I really like following you on Twitter because you're a human. And I was like, okay, so that's good. That, <laughs> like, it's working. So that was, yeah, that was a huge compliment to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. I like that it's intentional. Like, you're doing all that kind of intentionally, but also, you know, from the outside again, it doesn't look like you're um, doing that intentionally necessarily. It just kind of seems like, you know, you're a person doing that in, on Twitter, uh, which, you know, is a good mix. Like, you know, people respect that. Yeah, I think um, I think the uh, maybe the best way to describe it is I'm thoughtful. Like I am thoughtful about. I'm not. I don't think I'm formulaic, in that I don't have a strict like content calendar strategy, whatever. Right. But I am thoughtful about. Okay, what is, uh, for lack of a better term, what is my brand? And if I do have a brand, which I think everyone does, um if I do have a brand, what, like, what do I want it to be? And what do I want to include? And what do I want to exclude? And then I kind of just use those as loose guardrails instead of rigid, uh, content guidelines, I guess. Right. <clears throat> In terms of refine, do you, mm-hmm. how do you think you're going to try to roll that out to like start promoting it or when? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've got, um, so refine is the name of our query builder. So right now we are in this spot where we're kind of in a holding pattern with view two and view three because of Mm -hmm. the recent switch of defaults. Um, we have got it to a point where view two and view three are going to work, but I'm still, I'm again waiting on Sean to finish that. So what I did in the meantime was I pulled the view two out and put it into a Nova package. Mm -hmm. And so I'm now selling, we're now selling um, a Nova plugin. And so it works great with Nova 
because Nova is so constrained in terms of right, design, the design. Um, and layout. And so I don't have to provide renderless components for people to make it match their app because I can just make it match their app because I know their mm-hmm. app is Nova. So that's been good. We've got maybe six, seven, eight people like integrating that right now with cool. intent to, to buy. So that's really exciting. Um, we have one what's person. The, uh, what's the pricing like on that? Is it a, a, it's not a subscription, is it? Or is it a one-off? Or is it kind of like a Nova a, license where you get upgrade, you have to pay for upgrades later? Yeah, so it's $1,000 a year. Um, and in terms of if they stop paying, um, I think we'll just leave their access open to the, the last version that they had. So it would be mm-hmm. like Nova in that way. Um, so yeah, it's a, um, the front end is fully open source. All, both backends, Laravel and Rails will be closed source and you'll pay for basically private access to those composer repositories. Cool. Um, so it's thousand dollars a year and yeah, right now the Nova stuff is going great. Like people, are plugging it in and they are just thrilled to death with it, which makes me feel like super great because you know, we've worked on this for so long and to have people finally using it and be right. like, yeah, you found like you found the thing. There are a couple, couple sharp corners, but you, you, you did the thing you set out to do. So that's really encouraging. Um, in terms of like a broader release, I want to pump as many people into Nova as possible right now, just because the support burden is a lot lower because there's no, there's no front end support. Um, mm-hmm. and so that knocks out what I need Sean for. So I can do all of it myself. Cause it's all, it's all backend. Um, and then in terms of like getting the full version released, we have to, we're like, we just have to finish the customization story because the first people that have used the full version, are like, hey, this is great. I need to be able to customize this front end to match mine completely. Right. And so we know the first, you know, couple of people that wanted to pay for it are like, yeah, it's great. I just need this thing. And so I feel, I think we all feel like we can't run more people through that funnel knowing that they're going to get to the end and be like, hey, how do I customize this to look exactly, exactly like my app? And we say, yeah, we're still working on it. So, What's the uh, use case for people? Like, are they putting it in the app and then their customers are using it behind the scenes? Like, you know, not knowing it, necessarily, but... It depends. Um, so some people are putting it in admin interfaces that only, you know, employees are using. Um, so that's especially true with Nova is they'll put it on, you know, a resource page and then they can filter down to, you know, companies in this part of the UK that have this many students and like they'll they'll filter down on their nova side um the people that are putting it on the let's say the non-admin side yeah their users are using it and they they provide things like um you can imagine it's kind of like a reporting interface for their users or um in some ways an analytics interface and so they're like their users want to be able to say, all right, show me purchases in the past month and the user's name is, or the user lives in Texas and like, boom, show, show me all of those purchases or people or whatever. Cool. And so it's very much like you can imagine it sits at the top of, usually it sit the, sits at the top of an index page on top of a table of records and you use it to like 
drill down to the records that you're looking for. Right. All right. So a thousand dollar price point. So who is your audience? Sounds like businesses or small, medium business type audience. Yeah. Not exactly. not individual developers, probably. Not individual developers, not hobbyists, um, probably not side projectists. So the the pain is so painful. Like everyone has had to build something like this. Um, For sure. And you can go find um, you can go find a lot of abandonware on GitHub that solves half the problem, right? It's like, hey, here's a jQuery UI query builder. Um, good luck with the back end. It's like, whoa, <laughs> right. whoa, whoa, hang on, that, that's the hard part. <laughs> um, and so the pain is the pain is so painful. Um, so it is like it is a known problem. I think we we do have some education around like. Um, I don't know that drop-in components are very paid drop-in components are a very big concept in Laravel, but like, you know, in the .NET world, they've got component libraries where companies pay a thousand dollars a seat a year. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, it's a normal thing. Like I think Blazor is one of them. I, so this is a, this is a tried and true business model but there is um, a little bit of novelty in the, in the Laravel ecosystem. Right. So yeah, yeah, businesses that are either doing this already, but in a, you know, in a shoddy kind of way or businesses that are like looking down the barrel of implementing their own filter builder, query builder. And like, I, you know, I right. can't save their developers three time. months to do it. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Laravel is kind of interesting because, um, a lot of the paid official Laravel products are geared at lower price points. So you get developers, mm-hmm. hobbyists, and then also businesses who think it's super cheap because they're like, I can't believe this is just 40 yeah. bucks a month for this. You know what I mean? <laughs> Where yeah. like some would email me a chipper and is like, I'm just a student and $40 a month is way too much. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it's, you know, both ends of the spectrum. So it's interesting to, to do the thousand dollar price point. And I don't mean interesting in a bad way. I like that idea a yeah. lot too. Cause, um, cause it's like, it's just, you know, it's just not, the same audience of like what Laravel Forge is necessarily, or there is an overlap, but Forge has even, like all these other customers who are at like the fifteen dollar a price point. Even Nova puts downward price pressure on what we're doing. I mean, Nova's mm-hmm. what ninety nine or two ninety nine, something like that. Mm-hmm. And to buy all of Nova for ninety nine or two ninety nine, and then add on a component. For and then add on a component for a thousand dollars. It's like, right. Yeah. Well, this seems a little bit wacky, doesn't it? <laughs> right. But I mean, uh, the value, I mean, especially if you, if you get people to understand the value of it, it makes a lot of sense, especially for businesses. Cause like, can you imagine spending months on that feature? Oh I yeah. Think, yeah. I have, sure. and I've, I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think Laravel is an interesting, um, economic study because, Taylor has such reach that, and he is, you know, the forefront of paid Laravel products. He has such reach that he could price it based on volume. I mean, he can price things super low and he gets volume. Like none of us will be able to get because none of us are, are Taylor. And, and then that kind of exercises downward price pressure on the whole ecosystem. Um, but we'll see. It's still an open question. I mean, the people that have wanted Refine have not cared a single bit that it costs a thousand dollars. They're like, right. "This is great. It's totally worth it." Where do I? Where do I pay? Yeah. And so, 
it'll be interesting to see over time how that plays out. Um, I think in the Rails ecosystem, this is going to be a little bit easier. Like people are just, Rails is a little bit, I think there are, um, it's an older ecosystem. And so there are some bigger companies there and they're just like, yeah, a thousand dollars. That's fine. I mean, this client is paying us ungodly amounts of money to build it from scratch. And so right. that has validated a big part of like, yeah, Which people need to get their development funded. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, bootstrap company, no funding, but you know, this person is this company right. is sending you a lot of money. So I don't know. If yeah. It's, it's that, huge. But presumably it's a good amount of money. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's Colleen's full-time job now. I mean, she's oh, wow. right. fully embedded at the client working on working on Refine all day, every day for the client. Um, cool. And they're they're paying her, you know, her day rate. And so it's like, wow, this is this is unique. <laughs> talk right. talk about like survivorship bias. No, nobody else gets nobody else gets a big company funding their development into a different market and then letting them keep the IP like yeah I don't, cool. I don't it's not replicable so yeah that's neat and then you have two I don't know I was gonna say two markets I guess you kind of do right Laravel and Rails that those two mm-hmm. worlds so it's kind of neat too to see which um which does better or how you might market differently to each yeah yeah for sure Colleen has started talking about we're because we're at the point now where we can extract um the rails gem, which is what they call their packages, extract the rails gem and start looking for people that want to buy it. And there are some people on the list and she started talking about, all right, do we start going to rails conferences? And I think she's going to submit some talks to rails conferences and try to do the same kind of developer relations stuff. Cool. She um, like, seems like she has the personality for that too. Like very oh, outgoing yeah. based on her, um, her podcast. Yeah, she's going to be perfect for that. And she's she's talked it, I think, a couple before. Um, and she's just, she's high energy and she's likable. So she's gonna, right. She's just going to crush it. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think expanding beyond that, like that's, that's the inner circle of potential marketing. Beyond that, we need to start getting into like biz dev kind of stuff with agencies, I think. Like I think that's I think that's going to be a big move is if we can sense. get in with um, Laravel agencies, some that maybe you know focus on Nova or use Nova as a part of their tool chain. That's going to be you know if they do fifty apps in a year and half of them need something like this, and half of those you can convince to buy. Like that's a lot. That's a big deal versus the onesie twosies. So I think that's going to be. I think that's going to be a next step is how do we, how do we start doing some like big boy business right. stuff? <laughs> get a sales team, yeah, get a support team. There might I be like know. a dev support team for like the people who need to customize it fully too. That could yep. be interesting. And there might be, um, there might be opportunities to do uh, support uh, or like customization, integration engagements. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like you buy the license, but then the engagement, like we can do, you know, two, three, four, five day uh, integration setups and charge for those as well, which is yeah, that's interesting. Very normal, like that's a totally common thing, mm-hmm. um, but just not something that I, I think a lot of bootstrappers have on their minds. Um, we just want to sell the thing and get out, but I think there's an opportunity to do some consulting, right? Yeah, because that becomes a, a well. bit of a service business, right? So that's big time. What people want to avoid, but yeah, <laughs> but if you sure. lead into that, it could be really good. 
Yep, exactly. Neat. Um, okay, we're almost at an hour. I suppose okay. we should wrap up. Well, this is the first one, so now you're setting a precedent that you're going to wrap it about an hour. An hour. So, okay, That's fine. I like we'll it. See.